Hello, my name is Janice B. Gordon. This is Scale Your Sales Podcast. Welcome to the Scale Your Sales Podcast, listed number nine of 42 best podcasts for every sales professional in 2021. I am Janice B. Gordon, the customer growth expert, recommended by LinkedIn as one of 15 innovative sales influencers to follow in 2021. In this episode, my guest talks about creating partners, collaborators and allies for women in sales. Men are absolutely key to this. So she's written a book to help men to support women in sales, to help them to develop a better language and culture that engenders fairness and understanding. This not only supports women, but it supports men as well in growing their confidence. You will absolutely love this episode. Born in Sweden, she was co-founder of Shambolic in 2000, which was acquired by Seedtrex in 2015. Now the founder and CEO of EQ Inspiration, she is a board director and a successful entrepreneur. From her first-hand experiences, her aim is to engage men in the conversation of gender equality and women's advancement. She is the author of Women in Tech, a book for guys. Welcome to Scale Yourselves podcast, Eva. It's so wonderful to have you on the call. Thank you so much for having me. So, for 15 years as co-founder, president, COO of Sambolic, you oversaw the global sales partnership development in the areas of sales, um, IT, infrastructure, computing and network. Prior to that, I mean, they were taken over. So that was for 15 years and then taken over. Prior to that, also co-founder of Number One GM, so software development running the global sales team. So my question is, what is it in your background, your vast experience that inspired you to write your book? Well, easy answer. I had nothing to sell. So I simply needed to create something to start <laughs> selling again. I am sales. I don't know how to shop. I don't know how to buy things very, very well. I'm, diff you know, not very good at doing the research required to buy the right things. But I love selling. So when we exited Sambolic and I found myself without anything to sell, I honestly didn't really know what my role would be going forward. And there is a lot more to the story, of course, than, you know, why did I write exactly this book? But the original thought was really, I need something to sell. And it's not going to be software this time. Yes, I'm, I'm done with software. <laughs> I need... <laughs> I think it's uh, when you've been in software sales and, and running um, sales organizations and been a leader, um, there's, you've learned so much, but you've also done a lot of things repetitively year after year after year. And for me, it was a question of challenging myself, doing something completely different, something I hadn't done before, uh, allowing myself to be more creative perhaps than I had been in the past because I was never a software developer. Uh, 
I did hear very closely what the customers were telling me, and I was able to convey that back to the people that cared about what the customers were saying. But uh, what happened behind the scenes and the creativity behind the software, that was not me. But being able to understand and interpret what the customers wanted, I think that's quite creative, really, because you're working more collaborative, you're, you're problem solving, which is very creative, and not thinking linear problem solution but actually thinking around the subject a lot more so I would imagine that you're very much more creative than what you're giving yourself benefit for I don't know I mean the the um so as you kind of climb in leadership of sales and you're basically uh you know managing other people who are doing the direct sales what I always like to do was to stay close to a few customers, make sure that I did my share as well, understanding uh, where the customer complaints were actually real versus made up by some salesperson. Um, and I really never wanted to leave that. Like going into an enterprise data center and understanding the complexity of it all. You know, I started in data center, the data center world 20 years ago. So everything was on premise. Everything was visible. You could physically see the data centers with the servers and the storage and the networking. And that's how I learned. I didn't have any technical schooling, but getting in there and sitting with the, the people, um, not the CIO, but the people that worked for the CIO and understanding what their challenges were day to day, week to week, month to month. Um, and then we started with the main, big migration towards cloud, first private cloud, then public cloud. Everybody had questions. So it wasn't that I had answers necessarily, but I could bring back the, the discussion points to an intelligent community of people that were able to solve these problems and then go back to the customer and say, hey, I think that we can actually help you solve this. Or no, this is not going to work and intercompatibility between products and so on. It's not going to work and so on. So I, I actually really enjoyed getting uh, technical. I always wish I was an engineer, but sales is really my strength. So I'm glad I stuck there. So I find that really, really interesting. So perhaps we ought to talk more about the, the, the book and the uh, the prototypes that you go through um, in the book. The seven male prototypes. I'm interested in the research that you did to actually uh, create those prototypes why was it seven and not nine or five how did it all come about the book's called uh, women in cells a book for the guys so that's why we're talking about the the seven prototypes so um as a lot of the women who are on this call and listening to this you have been the only one over and over and over you've been sitting alone in sales meetings alone as a woman across from your customer where they're all men. And I could relate to that very closely, obviously. I don't think I paid enough attention to it during the 20 years when I was doing it. Of course, sometimes it got really tiring, um, but I don't think I looked for the kind of support that perhaps I should have. And I did have a really great network of men inside my own company that always supported me, always lifted me up and forward, always pushed me upward and outward and said, go, go, go. I did always have uh, a significant amount of support, but there are a lot of women who neither have support nor are asking for it. 
and they could probably be even better salespeople and they could drag in more women into their companies and do more of that. But I thought, okay, how can I actually, how can I figure out, like, how can I get more men to support more women? That was sort of my thinking because I started networking. I talked to women like you, like a lot of different women all over Silicon Valley. And I was really proactive. I spoke at tons of events about my career as an entrepreneur and so on. And I thought it was really strange. All these women were just talking about the struggles that they were having, but they weren't inviting men to these rooms to have these conversations. So what I did was I started EQ Inspiration as, you know, starting companies is kind of like in the blood as well. And it's hard to do anything if you're not associated with the company. It's a little silly, but that's the way it goes. And so I started EQ Inspiration as a way to invite men to the conversation. So I would run a networking event of um, men and women mixed. Women were always welcome, but they had to bring a man along a peer, a manager, um, a coworker, or their husband, if he was working in tech or in sales. And then we would have men on stage sharing how they were already supporting women at work. They would talk about their, their sort of awareness around equality in, at work, and they would talk about how important it was to them. And beautiful stories came to light. And I thought, okay, how could I get more of these stories and bring them to a broader audience? So to answer your question, I did tons and tons of interviews, uh, more than five dozen hour-long interviews with men in tech and in tech sales. And I asked them, what are you doing to support a woman on your team? What are you doing to support the culture inside your organization? And then I simply read and reread and reread my material and the seven character prototypes emerged. So it wasn't like I knew from the beginning. I didn't, it, it all kind of evolved and came about as I reread and reviewed my material and spent time thinking about it. And then I went back and I did reference points of people I'd come across all across my working life and thought this actually would work. And so I'll stop, I'll stop there. Interesting. And so does this network still exist? Are you still ongoing with the research into these uh, seven prototypes? I think the work right now is um, I want to support organizations as they grow, as they scale, by inviting and, and thinking, having the men who have traditionally hired and done things a certain way to think about where can I hire people from other backgrounds than my own. I don't need to go back to my own school network. I don't have to go back to the class of, or my last company, or the team that I was on. I can actually go back, or rather take a step back and say, okay, what organizations out there are available for me to hire more women, more people from underrepresented groups? How can I start to match my sales force to my customer base, which is at this point very diverse. What are the acts, the, the, the sort of the, the small actions that I can take on a day-to-day -day basis to make women and people from underrepresented groups thrive on my sales team and not leave because they're not feeling included or they're not feeling valued or they want to be treated differently than all the other guys are being treated. So when you go through the seven character prototypes in the book, 
as a man, you identify with one of them and you start, you sort of say, okay, would I like to do more, hire, promote, uh, promote, support women or underrepresented people in my organization? If the answer is yes, then you plug into that character prototype and you simply read what the character above yours is already doing. So I'm not going to tell anybody what to do. I know a lot from my own experience what I would do in a situation like that, but it's different for, for everybody. And so there's a lot of conversation about confidence. When I go in and I talk to an organization about this, I talk about the confidence, not the confidence of the saleswomen. That confidence, there's nothing wrong with that. But there's a lot of issues with confidence in how we can support each other, what we can say, what we can do, what's allowed, what's not allowed, what are we comfortable with and not. And those types of conversations is what I'm trying to bring to the surface so that there's no hesitation. Oh, we can't hire her. We can't hire him with this different background because he's not going to fit into our team. Uh-uh. You look at your customer profiles and that is what you need to match. I've got about three or four things now. One of them we're going to pick up on is women and confidence because I, you know, I absolutely agree with you there. But the, the other thing is around, you're really passionate about this. Why are you doing this? Why you? What is your passion behind this? Well, I do have, um, I get very passionate. I was equally passionate about selling clustered file systems, just for the record. <laughs> but no, joking aside, um, a lot of people who talk about diversity and inclusion as a topic, they come from HR or they come from psychology or they come from uh, working with people backgrounds, which is a wonderful place to start. However, I'm starting from... 20 years in tech sales. I know not only what the women are feeling and thinking as they're the only one in the room, but I think I know a couple of things about the hesitation that men have because I've sat across the table from them for 20 years. I've listened to them. I've made engineers feel comfortable sharing not just their issues of their data center, but problems that they have with coworkers or colleagues or even at home. And so I think what's making my position a little bit different is that I come from the same background. I come from my customer's background. That's what it is. Yeah. I claim that I understand my customer a little bit better than a lot of the other people who are trying to do the same work. And I'm passionate about it because I want to make a difference. I want the next generation to be comfortable going into tech sales. And, you know, I have a daughter who's 17. All she wants to do is sales and business and probably something with engineering in one way or another. And, and, she, and, and she, of course, doesn't see any limitations because she has watched me do it. So I'm a role model for her. So role models is another topic that I would like to get back to because I think that role models that are close to us or closer to us than these that we can't reach are very important. But yes, your question about confidence. Tell me about that. My, I, I often hear that women need support. It's like women are the problem. Um, women are not confident. And I think people are not confident. It's not a women's problem. We communicate. We are different. Men are from Mars. 
women are from Venus. We communicate differently. And it has been that the world, the systems, cells in particular, has been created by men for men. The world has changed. We've talked about diversity in your customer and representation. And so the re one reason why the sales industry hasn't been able to attract a diversity of, of people, and if we just talk, think about women, is because the language that's in the sales pipeline, killer, hunter, target, um, I just, I think it's disrespectful and offensive. And as a woman, I don't want to be a part of that. I'm, you know, and I think I'm talking to lots of other women exactly the same. So unless I'm using the killer, the hunter and all of those, then it's considered that I'm not, I'm not coming across correctly in sales. I'm not passionate enough about it. I'm not portraying the same mannerisms of what's considered to be what's needed to be successful in, in sales. So I think that women are confident. Women are certainly passionate and you're passionate about things you care about. There's, you know, you, you, that's just how things are. The way we portray that may be different. So I think if you're talking about confidence, um, about portraying it in a very masculine way, then yeah, women are not going to be confident. But if you're talking about confidence, things that you're passionate about and using your own terms and language, I don't agree that women have a problem with confidence. So I'd like your view on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to say anything because I agree with everything you said. So there's there's an interesting thing in sales. Um, a lot of people think that in order to be a good salesperson, you have to be assertive and aggressive. I don't necessarily, I mean, to some extent I agree, but what's more important is to be curious, to want to understand what your customer is going through, to be able to listen and not listen and come up with the answer before they're done talking, but really tune in to you know, like we say, what's keeping you up at night? What is your biggest challenge? What are your biggest concerns? Um, in an ideal world, how would you like to solve this? And you don't have to be aggressive and assertive to ask those questions. And I find that anybody likes to be asked questions and speak about not just themselves, their problems, their issues at work. And so when we start to take, and I don't know that it's a softer approach, I would call it maybe more empathetic, uh, more compassionate. There's more humility. And I find that any room I have ever walked into when doing sales, I learned, this is kind of an interesting one. Many, many years ago, a person told me, I can't even remember if it was a man or a woman, but somebody said, you know what happens when you walk into a room? everything stops. Your personality takes so much space. And I thought, whoa, okay, well, that could be pretty cool, or it could also be really offensive. So I took it to heart. And I started to take a little bit of a calmer approach as I walked into a room. And it was tremendously helpful, because I was never seen as a threat, or a competitor, or somebody who people would, would feel like they needed to defend themselves against. And I find that, especially in groups of women, it's incredibly important that I don't come across too pushy right away.
then once they figure out that I'm not a threat, I can sort of start smearing it on and talking about it passionately. But this whole thing with approaching a customer in an inquisitive way, that's neither male nor female. It is just really good sales skill. And so I think we need to kind of track, go back to that. And, and the aggressive sales guy, as we used to know him, I'm hoping that his era will kind of end. And I'm seeing, you know, on social media and so on, a lot of men who are talking more about, you know, the humility and compassion in selling. Because we also know our customers are changing. More of our customers are women. More of our customers don't want to hear that pushy, aggressive stuff anymore. So run us through the seven prototypes. It'd be really interesting to understand the differences between them, Eva. I'll do it at a very high level. There's seven character prototypes. The top three I call the advocates. The middle three I call the allies. And the bottom one I call the chauvinists. The advocates, if you are working in sales and you have a manager who sees you, who uh, lifts you forward, who not just one-on-one, but also in front of the rest of the group, acknowledges, look what she has done. She's our top salesperson. She has done, uh, you know, she has won this account. That would be the bottom one of the three advocates. That would be a Samir. He's the sponsor. He's constantly making you visible. The two levels above Samir, which are also the advocates, they are um, either a company leader, somebody who's changing the culture inside the organization, somebody who's hiring for a 50-50 workplace, Mm -hmm. somebody who is not afraid at all to, to do this and make it highly visible and speak about his successes. And then at the very top, of course, we have the person who works with us on a day-to-day basis, who talks to men, groups of men. We can't behave this way. We can't act this way. This is the way that we should do it. All of these three advocates are really role models for everyone who comes on below them on the, on the matrix. The next three are the allies. The majority of the men I find in my research are those. So when you come across uh, men in your workplace, either customers or, or, or partners or what have you, a lot of them are saying, sure, I'd like to help. Of course, I want to be supportive. Of course, I want to be an ally. Tell me what to do. There can also be a lot of hesitation. I'm not entirely sure if I'm doing or saying the right thing. I'm concerned that somebody's going to come after me or misinterpret my relationship with this or that woman who I'm mentoring. So there's a little bit more insecurity, a little bit more fear. And that's why I like to talk about men's confidence. Like let's give them the confidence and start practicing some certain actions on their, in their daily jobs. This is not a sidetrack. This is something they can do in sales meetings and so on so that they can then graduate and become advocates as well. And then at the bottom, we have um, the man I call Richard, who is the chauvinist. And Richard is opposed to change. He's concerned that women are going to take over the place, uh, the the positions of men in the workplace. He doesn't like quotas because he thinks that we're going to get better, worse quality of people, uh, women on boards, for example. Um, But the good thing, and the reason I included Richard as well is because he has so much potential. So regardless of which one of these character prototypes you come across as you're sitting in meetings and you're working, there are different motivators. So somebody like a Richard will get motivated by facts 
let's look at, you know, what does our customer base look like? Does it consist of 53% women? Shouldn't we then hire more women into our workplace? The other thing that's a great topic of discussion right now is the talent shortage. We are having, experiencing an enormous, enormous talent shortage across the board. There's basically in the United States, there's like no unemployment. So we need to start looking at, like I was saying before, alternative ways of hiring. And somebody who is a Richard, he doesn't want to end up behind. He doesn't want his sales team to not be as successful as the competing companies. So he also needs to diversify and think about things differently. And so the motivation is very different for all the different levels. But the idea is not to throw all people who could potentially become allies and advocates into one workshop and give them one message. The idea is just as all the salespeople that we know, you and I, we customize our message to meet the customer exactly where they need us. And so we give them the message that they need to hear. And that's exactly what I've done so that more men in this particular case can become comfortable to become allies and advocates of women and underrepresented groups. I think that, you know, you've identified a real gap there in giving a real gift because people, once they've identified their prototype, what you're saying is all they need to do is read. You know, I imagine that, that this is from the experience of those prototypes of what they've done that's worked for them. So you're learning from the role model of who you are without actually having to change that person. You're not telling that person they're wrong, they're right or whatever. It's just identifying this is where I am and this is what I can do. Exactly. Because who likes to be told what to do? Not None me. of us. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love it. So Women in Tech, a book for the guys. How does this help women in sales? I wrote the book for men because I think that there are a lot of good books out there for women. However, I've gotten a lot of phone calls, especially from women in, let's say, their early 30s, around 30, 30 to 35. They contact me and they say, you know, it's amazing. This book has helped me so much. And I'm like, oh, okay, tell me how. And what they're saying is both they get a really nice idea and view that there are a lot of supportive men out there. So whereas perhaps some of them have worked for almost impossible managers who haven't supported them at all in the past. And then they read the stories because the book is very positive and uplifting. We're not trying to create any negativity, blame, shame, or judgment here. So I'm shining a light on these positive stories. And they're like, oh, wow, this is so amazing. This man helped this woman in this way. And so they're starting to see patterns also. And then they go back to their own workplace and they say, I'm actually noticing now which men are the ones that are allies and advocates. And those are the ones that I'm now trying to become, you know, friends with or get to know or ask for introductions to. And I ask other women about them and they say, yes, this man has actually really helped me and he's provided valuable introductions or whatever it might be. And then I've also had women tell me that it builds their confidence. And I mean the confidence in going and asking for help and saying it's perfectly fine to ask for help. I was in my mid to late 30s before I started asking for help. And I should have started way earlier because there's nothing better than asking for help and getting it. Sure, I'll help you. What do you need? And 
I don't think I've ever gotten a no. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just ask. People are happy to help. Yeah. I think that this book as well helps to clarify or confirm what you you know but you didn't understand. So there's going to be different prototypes. I mean, we, we know being in sales, you've got pushback from people, and it is personal, but you don't understand why, what's going on in their heads. So once you understand what prototype they are, you kind of have a better language to speak to them or managing your expectation of what you're going to get back from that person. That's what they're able to do at that time. So I think this would help stop women. They do think, what have I done wrong? The problem is mine. As opposed to, it's not a problem, it's just understanding better the environment I'm working in and the people I'm working with, which I love. There is so much judgment going on in both directions, men judging women, women judging men because they don't understand or they're reacting the wrong way. Um, And that's why I keep coming back to not just understanding what our customers' needs are, but also understanding each other a little bit better and being a little bit more patient with each other. There's very little that's required to actually make people feel comfortable around you. You can just say, hey, how can I help you? What's going on? Tell me how I can help. And that's a small tangible tip that kind of goes through every chapter of the book. It's like every, it doesn't matter which character prototype you are, or if you're a woman and you're frustrated with a guy who's reacting the wrong way, you know, hey, dude, you're not reacting exactly the right way in this situation. What's going on? Is there anything I can do to help? So it kind of goes both ways. Yeah, I think that's that's brilliant. Gosh, do you know, Eva, I'm going to have to get you on again because I've got about 10 more questions, but uh, we have run out of of time because there's so much to discuss in terms of, you know, um, motivating men a little or a lot um, to help to advance women, whether we should be advancing women um, and how do we do that? Oh, there is so much. This, This book is, everyone's got to go onto your website and get this book and then join us in the conversation, the next conversation. What do you think? I would love that. I would love that. I really enjoy talking to you. How do they get hold of you. the book? So the website is EQ, like emotional intelligence, EQinspiration.com. There, is, there isn't a book anything like this. So it will really help to ground people and help them to understand the environment that, that they're in. Um, so let me just return to you uh, a little, Eva. If you're on a desert island on your own, what would be the one thing you would take with you? Well, so before my birthday, which was last week, you had asked uh, a, a similar question. And I said, my family. But then for my birthday, I got a birthday card where it said, if I had to bring only one thing to a deserted island, it wouldn't be you. And this was from a friend of mine. And I thought, hmm, that's interesting. Why would she not bring me? And she said, well, if, if there was nothing left to eat, I would hate to eat you because I like you so much. <laughs> So I think, uh, of course, my family. I have uh, a great husband and three absolutely amazing children. Um, And I always tell my kids, my oldest and my middle one, my oldest, he can cook a meal out of anything. So they would be fine. 
but he is not very good with directions. And my daughter, who's my middle one, she would most certainly be able to find the way around the island because she's amazing with directions. So there you have it. It would have to be my family. You know, uh, you are cheating. You hope you realise that, Eva, because it's one thing and you're bringing about five at, at the moment. I know it's a family unit and where one pe- one is strong, the other one's weak. So you're completely complete, like the Robinson Crusoe or the family Robinson that's dead. You know, I think that's where you got the idea from. But I will allow you to cheat on this one just, just once. You'll have your family on your island. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. So just remind listeners how the best way to get hold of you. LinkedIn is definitely the best place. That is where I live. I do go to Facebook occasionally, but LinkedIn, eHelen or Eva Helen is the place to find me and eqinspiration.com is the website and you can reach me through there as well. Excellent. Thank you so much for being a guest on Scale Your Sales podcast, Eva Helen. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much, Janice. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scale Your Sales podcast. If you like this discussion, feel free to listen to other episodes or watch the caption show on YouTube and subscribe to future episodes. I would really appreciate it if you would leave a positive review on iTunes. Thank you.